following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Good evening, everyone. Uh, our first passage this evening is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. That's Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins are atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And our second reading today is from Mark chapter 1, and it's verses 16 to 20. So that's Mark chapter 1. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's all just pray for Aaron together before he begins his sermon. Father, send your spirit on Aaron now and inspire him. Give him the words that he needs to speak to us today to build us up and open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to hear from him and receive his message. Amen. Amen. Thank you, James. Well, friends, good evening. Um, we are two weeks in to a new uh, sermon series on Thessalonians. But tonight we take a break. Uh, only two weeks in and the reason uh, for that break is the opportunity that we have to give thanks for the ministry of David and Zoe and Tom and Catriona and Logan but in a lot of what I'm going to say tonight about responding to God's call as I was um, looking around the room earlier it struck me how many people here tonight either in the days, the weeks, the months to come, will be coming to God in a time of transition, looking for God's discernment, responding to his call 
in different ways and at different times in uh, the weeks ahead. And so hopefully uh, what I'm going to say tonight will not just uh, apply to those who we will uh, thank in prayer later, but will also have uh, a broad application to each of us here tonight. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, who gives us the gift of life and gift of faith, give us grace to follow your Son, to follow where he would lead us, strength to follow in his footsteps, and the joy of your Spirit, that we may be renewed daily in our giving of ourselves to you. Amen. So you may have heard the old story of the Sunday school teacher who, after leading a session with uh, young children uh, on the Ascension, because that's what the church was doing that week, uh, was not convinced by the end of his session with seven-year-olds that he had managed to get his point across. So in order to make sure that they understood what it was that he'd been teaching about, uh, he ended his session by asking those in the group, where is Jesus today? Stephen raised his hand and said, he's in heaven. Mary raised her hand and said, he's here in my heart. And then little Johnny, waving his hand furiously, blurted out, I know, I know where he is. He's in our bathroom. The whole class got very quiet and looked at the teacher waiting for our, a response. The teacher was completely at a loss and asked Johnny how it was that he knew this. The little Johnny said, well, every morning, every single morning, my father gets up, goes to the bathroom and finds it locked. He bangs on the bathroom door and shouts out, good Lord, are you still in there? Now, uh, Tom and Zoe, Catriona, David and Logan, as people who've shared houses and bathrooms together over uh, various combinations in the past weeks and months, uh, I'm not sure if you have any empathy for Johnny's dad, but certainly uh, sharing bathrooms is one of the things that can test the patience of the greatest of saints. But during the years that you have spent here, you have shared much more than houses. With all of us here at Next, you shared a ministry, a ministry to build God's kingdom in this place as part of the community here. It's a ministry that belongs to us all here at Next. And it's a ministry that begins with the words we hear in our readings this evening. The words of Jesus in the call to his first disciples. Follow me. And in the words of Isaiah, in that beautiful picture, standing before the throne of God, as the praise of the angels flows to the throne. And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. Both of our readings tonight point to how we respond to God's call 
upon our lives, how each of us responds to that call. Now, it's clearly a question that's in sharp relief for the five of you right now. But it's one that's constant for each of us who believe in our hearts and confess with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord. So tonight, in considering how best to respond to the call of God upon our lives, uh, I want to consider what it's like to be called in, what it's like to be called out, and what it's like to be called on. So firstly, being called in. I'm not sure how many of the five of you had Durham down as a first choice, either as an undergrad or as a postgrad, and how it came to pass that you found yourselves here in Durham. Perhaps it was the course that drew you. Perhaps it was a very sunny, open day when the weather was like this that lulled you into a false sense of security about the weather in the northeast. Perhaps you knew someone who had come here and who recommended it. However you found yourself in Durham, I want to suggest that God knew what he was doing when he called you here. That God had a plan for you. That God has a plan for you. And part of that plan was being in Durham and being called into the community of God in this place. Being called to St. Nick's, which has both formed you and discipled you in the opportunities that you have had to serve here. In other words, I want to suggest it's no accident that you are here and hopefully when you look back over your time here, you'll be able to see the truth of that. Later on in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 49, we read the words, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he spoke my name. In a reflection on that verse and on God's calling, Martin Percy put that call into context in this way. All Christians have some kind of calling, he wrote. But such callings aren't always instantly recognisable. It's pretty typical of God, if you think about it. He comes to us in unexpected ways. A child in a manger, a still, small voice, a thick, silence, a bush on fire. Not all signs are easy to read. And for those of us at any stage of life who are struggling with discernment, who are seeking to understand God's call as to the next steps in our lives, surely our prayer should be that we would know God's call not only in the dramatic, not only on the road to Damascus, but also in the moments of uncertainty, when perhaps all we can say with any surety 
is that I will follow. Here I am. Send me. So first, called in. Secondly, called out. Now, when I talk about being called out, I'm not referring to the social media phenomenon of identifying a chink in someone's armor and taking to Twitter to call them out for some hypocrisy alleged or real. Rather, whenever we hear God's call to something into perhaps a new place, a new role, a new service, it will also mean being called out of something. Being called out of Durham, perhaps. Being called out of university, more than likely, for many of the students who have been here. Being called out of a community of friends and familiar places and familiar rhythms into something new. Being called out means leaving past securities behind, placing our hand in the hand of God and pressing on in faith and courage. It's a time that presents each of us with the opportunity once more to declare and live by the truth that the only security of any worth is our relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son and in the power of God the Holy Spirit. Consider our reading from Mark this evening and how Jesus calls Simon and Andrew and James and John to stop what they're doing, to put down their nets, to leave their boat and to come and follow him. They are called out of what they know and called in to a new beginning. They are called into a new life, into a transforming relationship with Jesus, but they're also called out of catching fish. And in the case of James and John, out of the family business, leaving their father and the hired men in the boat as they respond immediately to Jesus' call. That call to follow Jesus, to become a disciple, is an invitation. It's an invitation that Jesus issues, issues to those first disciples that they accept wholeheartedly. They respond not gently or timidly into a putting a toe into a swimming pool, wondering if it's a little cold. They jump right in, up to the neck and then under. Just look at the response of the disciples in our reading. There isn't, you will notice, any questions about pension provision or working hours. Nothing about terms and conditions or career structure. Jesus doesn't offer his disciples a contract. Rather, he offers them a covenant invitation. An invitation to enter into a life-defining, life-transforming relationship. Jesus calls Simon, Andrew, James and John, and each of us, 
to stop what they're doing, to put down their nets, to leave their boats and to come and follow him. Called to a new beginning, called out of a known way of life, called into a journey with Jesus that will change them forever. And when three years later that journey comes to what seems like a hopeless end at Calvary, they are then called on called on to live in the power of the resurrected Christ. So called in, called out, called on. The Danish uh, theologian and philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once famously wrote that life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. I say that he famously wrote that, but for many people, the sentiment doesn't actually belong to Kierkegaard as much as to Steve Jobs, who ripped off Kierkegaard when he made the same point in a speech in 2005, where he said this, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust something, Steve Jobs said. Your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. But for Kierkegaard, it was clear that the source and focus for living one's life forward was not karma, destiny, or whatever. But rather, it was a seeking after God. Or to quote from another one of his writings, and forgive the non-inclusive language, Father in heaven, what is a man without thee? What is all that he knows, vast accumulation though it be, but a chipped fragment if he does not know thee? What is all his striving? Could it even encompass a world but a half-finished work if he does not know thee? Thee the one who art one thing and who art all. Much of uh, Soren Kierkegaard's work deals with Christian love, whilst his psychological work explored the emotions and feelings of individuals when faced with life choices. Zoe, Tom, Catriona, David, Logan. Over the months and years to come, you will be faced with many such choices. And as you come to make them, can I encourage you to use your response in making that response to the call of God upon your life, to use your discipleship and that call as the lens through which you make those choices? Because it is God that calls you on. In whatever workplace that will be, in whatever town, city or country, God calls you on a journey of discipleship. He invites you to go deeper with him. And it's a journey that will not be limited by the places you will serve or be, or even by the career you will have. 
Rather, it's limited only by the desire of your heart and the choices that you make as to whether to place God at the centre or on the edge. As Kierkegaard perhaps most famously said, purity of heart is to will one thing and the thing to will is the call to follow Christ. In our culture, we tend to prize our ability to make decisions and choose our own paths in life, and it can feel hard to give that up. But that call from Jesus to follow is a call to surrender those decisions to him, to respond by simply saying, here I am, send me. Those first disciples began their journey with a response to the invitation from Jesus that was simply two words, follow me. Jesus offers that invitation anew to each of us tonight. Not just to the five of you, but to each of us gathered here. Follow me, says Jesus to the next stage of the ministry to which I call you, for all of you have a ministry. Come with those you love and those who love you, sure in the knowledge that I call you. Follow me, says Jesus, without the promise of an easy path ahead, but with the assurance that he will equip you for all that is to come. Follow me, says Jesus, with the faith that whatever failures you may encounter on the journey ahead, they are not to be feared, but will root you in humility and return you time and again to the table of reconciliation. Follow me, says Jesus, because in the end, there is absolutely nothing better than any of us can do with our lives than to say, yes, Lord, I will follow. Here I am. Send me. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.